Hello and welcome to another edition of the QPR podcast, Open All Eyes. I'm Paul Finney, I'm hosting because basically no one else turned up. Right, apart from the three poor souls that are joining me tonight, there's no special guest. So it's just we, George Sharp, who is 14 this week, and happy birthday, George. George, you can see doing the QPR vlog. Is that right, George? Yeah, that is right. Do it every single home game, want to push to away game soon. Good man. And are you enjoying it? Yes, it is very good. It's hard to call me junior anymore, to be totally honest, Paul, but it's it's definitely a good thing and I do enjoy it a lot. Uh, you'll be having your own podcast soon. Don't worry. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. I'll, I'll be retired in the pub, just watching you doing a much better. But listen, if I could do it, any idiot can. Not that I'm calling you an idiot. I mean, this is the idiot <laughs> me pointing at myself. Anyway, moving on. Um, we have Paul Stokes, who is just been on the podcast a few times and he's wonderful and he's also... Very knowledgeable about music, because that's what he does for a living. Hello, Paul. Hello, Paul. Thanks for having me on again. This is my uh, record uh, attendance, uh, record appearances for a season. Uh, I know. Well, the same thing is, you talk a lot of sense, Paul. <laughs> You're just not well, very good we'll, at avoiding we'll see, cars. We'll seem to prove that wrong. We'll seem to prove that wrong. Just not very good at avoiding cars at away matches, if I seem to remember rightly. I think it's more them avoiding me, but yeah. Yeah, well, you see. She'd be so slim. And this is special, isn't it? we got ex-QPR employee. Jim Frieden, who's also very good at stadium management because he used to run Wembley. Is that right, Jim? Have I got that right? Ish. I didn't really run it, but yeah, I'll take it for dead today. But yeah. But you left um, before the Euro, so we can't stick that in your door, can we? No. No, I was there. And my son, Albie, who comes with me to QPR, was part of it too. And uh, yeah, not a great day. It looked actually very, very scary in all honesty. It's just horrible. Yeah, I... Yeah. I could do a whole separate podcast about it, um, but I won't. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I mean, luckily, being Northern Irish, I will never know when it's like to get to a final of anything. I mean, you know, but it, yeah, it's a shame because it ruined it for the real fans. But hey-ho, that's what spoiled sports do. They love to ruin it for everyone else. But um, hopefully you'll win it next time. Fingers crossed for you. Anyway, moving on. George. You're 14, so I'm going to start with you. Is this the best season so far, bar the 2010 season you can remember? Uh, yeah, definitely. To be honest, I can't really remember the 2010 season, but the positive atmosphere around the club, I haven't experienced before. And to be totally honest, the results is something completely new. And the style of football, I just think, is a complete improvement to when we're playing in 2016-17. The fact that we're starting to play out the back a bit more and we're confident with that, I think it's good rather than always lumping it up front to Matt Smith, who was a great striker at that time. I just think we've moved on now. Fair enough. I mean, Paul, I mean, we, we, we talked about this before we started. Do we, I mean, dare to dream, dare to hope, um, live and hope. Is it the hope that kills you? What are you thinking? I mean, I've had the conversations like I'm sure most QPR fans have about, oh, you know, is, is this club, is this team ready to go up? Which, which then you have to check yourself and go, it's a bit premature and all that. We, you know, let's, let's think. I think for me, it's actually, to try, I'm trying to do the opposite. What's been so enjoyable about this season is the football, the results, and the, just a complete lack of pressure. I mean, we started this season, I mean, this time last year, remember, we were looking at relegation potentially before when Austin and, and Steffi Hansen came in. So, 
so I'm trying to just take it one game at a time. And I actually, I'll be honest, at the West Brom match, I was kind of going, this is a great draw. What a fantastic draw this is going to be. Literally seconds before we scored. And, and you know, so I'm just trying to take the games like that and just be like, you know what, this is, this is a great season. And if we end up doing something, this will be fantastic. But I just don't remember, apart from going back to the two seasons we got promoted in recent memory, well, we've had a season where it's just been good and fun and enjoyable. There's not, there's not the drama or the, or the fear. It's actually just like we go to a match and, you know, it's going to be a good time, win, lose or draw, really. Jim? Yeah, I'm, I'm with Paul. I think this is dreaming. You know, compared to perennially finishing 16th and, like George said, knocking it long to Matt Smith or something, you know, or, or some of the real, you know, dodgy signings we've made or some of the bad people we've had in the team, this is it. We've, we've, we've taken our medicine after being everyone's boo boys with the massive fine and everything like that, and we're having a go now. And I think it's, it's so enjoyable. You know, they're just doing so much right as a club. Um, you know, saying no to players, you know, when they want too much money and they go elsewhere. Investing in the training ground, not having ridiculous statements from on high too much, with a sensible CEO, playing good football, knowing our place a bit, playing to our traditions. Like George said, like we did knock it a bit long before. And we're not, this is what QPR should be, but there's been a lot of times where we haven't been true to ourselves. You know, we should be slightly worse resource than most people historically, but punching above our weight. And that's exactly what we're doing. So I kind of feel like this is dreaming and, you know, let's be a bit realistic about it and don't put pressure on the team or have really stupid expectations about it. Or let's just enjoy it. This is the most enjoyable season we've had for so long. So let's not get too ahead of ourselves. It takes everyone a lot longer to, to get, you know, into the author to be realistic candidates for automatic promotion, which is what I think you mean by saying, can we dream? You know, we need to be a lot further down the line. We need to have sold a few more players and bought a few, bought a few better players. It took Brentford quite a few goes to get there. And they're a good example of it, of a team who's kind of progressed without parachute payments and, and got there. And, and it took them a good sort of three or four seasons of being there or thereabouts before they even made it. So yeah, we are dreaming is my answer. And, and yeah, we can dream of a bit more, but let's be, be realistic about it and just enjoy what we've got. Well, the way I'm looking at it, and um, I'm a very simple person. You've all had a drink with me, apart from George, because he's too flipping young and you shouldn't be drinking that stuff at your age. George is wrong. Um, <laughs> is There's no expectations. The budget is really low compared to what we've been spending before. A transfer policy, you're always going to get some bad buys. It's inevitable as football. It's pretty bang on. We're we, we doing a lot of research. We seem to be doing due diligence better on players. We're getting the right sort of players in. And that's good. And it's even if we don't go up. And you know what? If we don't, we don't. I don't want to hear booing and stuff. Do you know what I mean? I don't want people getting disappointed because we're up against teams who have done what we did, spent loads of money, and they're not going anywhere for a while. I mean, I, I keep saying it. Hearing Bournemouth fans thinking that they're rightful places in the Premier League is just hilarious and stupid and ridiculous in equal measures. But that's the budget they're paying. I mean, we're talking about Brentford. Their budget was put announced the other day. It was, it was a lot higher than I thought it was. It was like, plucky little Brentford have got a massive flipping budget for the wages. So you can't do it. Are we better prepared to go up this time? That's the question. That is a great question. George, what do you reckon? I know you were young last time, but it didn't go well. Uh, I think even if we don't go up this year, we can build again next year. But I'm confident that we can make the playoffs uh, quite confidently this year and but I don't necessarily agree with what some QPR fans are saying that if we don't go up this year we're going to sell everyone 
if we do, we may sell a couple of people, but that's always been the QPR way. Uh, bring on players and then selling them, for example, modern times, Eze. So I think if we don't go up, we'll just sell a couple of people, reinvest that and go again next year. That's how Brentford did it. And I think that's how Warburton wants to do it, to be totally honest. How old are you again? <laughs> 14. Just checking. Fucking hell. <laughs> Jesus. I'll be leaving this suit, this seat in a few years. I can say that, that, that's fair enough. Follow that, Mr. Stokes. No, I think it's right. I think the thing with Rangers is the last couple of times we've gone up, it's been like when Warnock came in, there was going to be a couple of years of rebuilding the squad and it just suddenly all clicked. But Adele had the season of a life and we and, and we went up as chat rightful champions. And then the second time around, we'd come down, we hadn't really sorted out a lot of the Premier League contact. And then, you know, we probably scraped into the playoff positions. And then once you're in it, we went up. So I don't think we've ever had, as a club in modern time, a, a sort of time where we've worked, you know, two, three seasons towards getting promoted. So I get that the the, the kind of promotional bust feeling is gets in because that's how we've gone up before. And I can see, you know, this is a great opportunity if you were if you were in the in the playoff positions, if we stay there, it's a great opportunity to go up and, you know, ultimately that's why you go to football matches is to win. Um but I don't think we need to think, well, this is our one shot. I think, you know, as you're saying, let's we're building the club in the right direction. We can we can sell some players, we cannot sell some players. What I thought was great actually was at West Brom it's in the at the end of the first half, I was sort of struck by how Aggie, the atmosphere was starting to get, and I was thinking, "Oh God, you know, are we going to be? Is there going to be too much way of expectations?" And then I don't know what happened. Whether it was a collective reset, whether people finally got served at halftime, I don't know what it was. But <laughs> the second half, it just suddenly seemed to be this real wave of positivity for the for the next forty five minutes. And I mean, it was such a great atmosphere to be in, and, and it didn't seem like it was going to be that way in the first half. And as the game wore on, I think people were just really getting behind the team and really happy with how they were playing. And I think if if that continues not just for the next few games, but the next few seasons, then, yeah, it doesn't matter if we, if this, if we don't make it this season. The club and the fans are all going together in the right direction. That's all we need. Uh, Jim, what do you reckon? Too soon? Should we wait? Yeah, I mean, I'm one of those cynical people that if we went up anyway, I'd just not not sign anyone and take the money and, and put it, you know, just gently aside into a new stadium pot. Um, but it, the other thing, I mean, the Premier League's no fun. It just wasn't fun when we went up before. So I don't mm. want to go up. Uh, this is way more fun. And secondly, I don't think, yeah, we're really way worse equipped. When you think last time our wage bill was quadruple what it is now, we had a 24, 25-year-old Charlie Austin, not the 32-year-old version. You know, and I think we should take our lessons from when we went up before. And, you know, when we went up under Warnock, the, the thing that we did wrong was bin out the players that got us promoted far too quickly. Mm. And it was when they were brought back into the team that we did better. You know, when Derry was brought back, when Hill came back from loan, when Paulin was playing, when Tarapt was given his head and allowed to play, that is what kept us in the Premier League for more than one season. And we forgot. We forgot that lesson when we came back up under Redknapp. And the only thing, we played reasonable football till October when McLaren left. I remember the game against Middlesbrough with Paulin knocking it around in the middle. It was just gorgeous. We won 3-0 mm. and just sort of Strachan's team looked rubbish. Um, but we then sort of after Christmas time, the defence got us promoted. Dunn wasn't quite the same player after Christmas as he was before, but Anua and Hill and Simpson were sensational. And then we dismantled it. You know, we didn't only bin out the players that got us promoted. We then changed to a back three, which was just the most ludicrous decision if you'd been at Charlton away when we played a back three and looked God awful with a really aggy away. And like you talk about, Paul, 
that sort of atmosphere. So we're terribly placed to go up unless the plan is take the money and run. Um, and I don't want to go up because this is way more fun. So I'm with George. We should build for a few years. But then if the, the, everything transpires and goes for us, because in football, you'll always take... I mean, we we had um, done on this season, he, and he's quite a positive soul. He's like, you know what? I don't care. I want to go up. I want to be first or second. And and I'll, I'd rather hear that than birthdays. Of course he would. But you just think... You look, you look at Jimmy and you look at the other players, and, and Willock wouldn't look out of place in the Premier League. But, of course you could be 5-0 down before he starts playing. Do you know what I mean? I watched Brentford versus Man United last night because they were getting absolutely mullered and I thought it was quite funny. But that's the level. And I think it's it, we have to make a, a decision whether we go up and try and compete or we go up and, and I think like you, take the money, rebuild and just make it as cheap as chips for people to go to games and um, just make it fun because... And it might work. And, and by doing that, you might do a Burnley, you might do a Sheffield United and stay up for a couple of Who knows? Well, Burnley have been up on the more than a few seasons. I don't know. I mean, the trouble with the Premier League is the whole fan base changes, doesn't it? You know, and, and the outside, the the whole experience is different. It becomes a, it becomes a just something that we've never been. And I'm just hoping that the owners stick to the plan they've got because it's working. There's no two ways about it. What will be, and also, they stuck to the guns of Warburton when it would have been easy to sack him. And that, that, that to me was a changing part in this club's history. I thought you thought, George, whether you wanted to go or stay, but by sticking with him when many people were saying sack, 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 it's probably saved us another three years of complete turmoil. What do you think? Uh, to be fair, at one point, I thought that he was going to go, to be totally honest with you. But after them, that, that, that January transfer window completely saved him. Them loan signings, Austin... Johansson that saved him and I think if we had lost that looting game where Austin came back and scored that that goal I think we would have he would have got the sack but I think it's a good thing that we've stuck with him because we've got more wins that with him than we have with the last seven managers combined which that just tells you something in itself to be honest. Well, that was my next stat, actually. I was going to come out with that for Paul. Yeah, right, really. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, well, that's, a, can that's I, a bloody good thing, isn't it, Paul? Sorry, Jeb, go Can on. I ask George a question? Did you go want on. him to be sacked at that point? Or when you thought he was going to be, did you want that? Uh, I personally, at the time, I thought maybe a change would be a good thing. But looking on back on it now, I think that if we hadn't had, then some of these players, like, we wouldn't have signed some of these players that are absolute bargains, like Jimmy Dunn, Willock, people like that they weren't have progressed at all. So looking back on it now, I completely changed my mind and stick with Warburton because he's just the perfect manager for us currently, I think. Mr Stokes? I think this is sort of, uh, I mean, I agree entirely that I think we're glad we, we're glad we kept Warburton. I think, I think most fans as well, in, the, in that period, it was trundling along to, with those lack of results and it was it wasn't I don't ever since there was a, a, there was a, a groundswell to get him out it was just more oh, is this a shame the way it's going and so it was brilliant the way it turned around particularly as none of us could go to games it was that real you know no one wanted to see something drastic because there was a difference Paul um, the fact there wasn't crowds in the, the stadium I think that well yeah I think if you'd had you know a run of bad home games although I went to the two games you're allowed to go to the tier through two oh. games and you know there well was they people, were oh but the crowd wasn't getting on anyone's back. There wasn't like a, it wasn't like an atmosphere, you know, of like, oh god, this is which you. Well, might there wasn't have. any atmosphere, Paul. It was just <laughs> terrible, wasn't it? 
Didn't score. It wasn't good. Goal. Uh, it weren't great games. I know that was, the atmosphere was like it was wasn't too bad. I mean, but I think this this whole conversation not not so much war buttons back last year, but I think is indicative of how as a club we just haven't had this experience of challenging for promotion in the championship through through the period of seasons because we're actually agonising over whether or not we want to get promoted. You know, it's like if we get promoted, brilliant. You know, that's what, what we want to win football matches. And I think as, as fans, if at the end of the season we went up, we, we can have our little moment of like, God, it's going to be tough next season. But that's great. Let's not worry about that next season. I think I think we, we probably shouldn't be too over overanalyzing what's going on because I think that that's why QPR are doing so well at the moment. It's every game at a time. It's not this sort of... Yes, there are bigger structural questions about the club and all that, but I think for fans, we should just enjoy this season. And when, and when we get to May, if 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 we, if we don't go up, we'll be back next year. And if we do go up, let's worry about that then. I, I don't think we should be too uh, <laughs> too worried about promotion. In the past, we've been worried about relegation too often. So let's let's rem- let's count our blessings. I mean, yeah, that's a fair point. What do you think, Jim? I'm going to put your ex-employee hat on. Which I do tell, which is why I get you on this podcast because none of us have worked for the club before except you. What do you think the club won? That's a good question. Um, I, I think the look. I, I I said to someone in the week on Twitter. It's like I, I respect the fact that the owners have stood by um, and still funded a lot of losses, and we have to remember we're massively making losses every year still, mm. and they write the check. And while they've been stupid early on and admitted it and made loads of mistakes, the fact that they've stood by the club and said these are our mistakes, we'll we'll be we'll be accountable for them and we'll own them. I'm, a, I'm I have huge respect for that because it means that they're they're just being accountable and sticking with and paying the fine themselves for FFP. You know, fair play. And that deserves a lot more credit and perhaps gets taken for granted at times. I, I don't wholly disagree agree with everything that they want to do. But if I was to try and put myself in their shoes, of course you'd want to go up because I think the owners are hanging on in order to have something to sell at some point. Now, they're decent enough to keep carry on funding it and running it better. But, yeah, they've had lots of ups and downs, you know, with their own businesses. So I suspect they'd be delighted to go up and see if they get any interest. Um, but to be fair to them, they've hung around. So, you know, it's not to say they just sell to any old soul. Um, and there are people out there who want to buy clubs and you know do leverage buyouts like the Glazers and like happened at Burnley that you'd, you'd be a bit wary of. So, ironically, it's kind of got to the point with the owners where it's like better the devil you know, you know, right now. So, yeah, I think they'd be delighted to go up because just financially it's so much better for them. Um, but I think they've got the right attitude of building for the long term now, and things like the training ground are exactly what we should be doing. And cutting our wage bill, as Clive has said a few times, and I've made the point on here in the past, that achievement of cutting our wage bill, you know, in half and then half again, look at the clubs trying to do it at the minute and how they're getting on with it. You know, mm. it's not easy. It's not easy to do because as soon as clubs look at Forest, you know, as soon as, and, and Cardiff, as soon as clubs know that you've got to sell, the market for your players is halved in and of itself anyway. So, you know, it's really hard to sell well. So we've done that quite well compared to other people. So, yeah, I think they'd be delighted to go up is the short answer and take the money. And like me, take the money and either run if they get a good offer or stick with it, knowing that it's a bit more of a valuable asset in the Premier League than it is in the Football League. And be wiser and hold your ground and don't buy the wrong players, buy the right players, even if it means a few months of pain. Get it right yeah. in the end. But we started off in the right vein. Like we, 
you know, we, Bothroyd was a reasonable signing. We took the best striker from our rivals that didn't come up for a bit of extra money than they could pay. And he'd, he'd have been a good player to do a job in the championship, or should have been. It just didn't quite happen. The, the, where we weird, really went wrong was when we started signing Barton and Sean Wright Phillips. And then, you know, then it all went off the rails. But but in their defence, I'm not defending them because I'm not a club stooge. If they want to buy my season ticket, by all means, please feel free. But... um. I think in the the seal went through it dragged, didn't it? It went through really yeah. late. It, it it was messy. They basically had heard of a score that was championship. But with but who kept us up? Who I kept would, us up? That's my point. I, I, we, we were never it wasn't Danny Gabadon, was it? No, I mean, what was it? The um when Warnock was sacked, we never got higher than that in the Premier League again, did we, under anyone no. else? So it's a weird one. And I think he would have kept us up because you're the wise manager, maybe not the squad that but sometimes there's got a lot to be said for them sort of scores. They do work sometimes, and they will rather than trying to bring in the legs of bottom, which is good. You up. only want to, you don't want to go for numbers when you go up. You just want to buy one or two quality players who would still be happy to be there in the championship. So you know you should be signing a Hyder Helgeson, a Jay Brothroyd, rather than chucking money at a foreign mercenary. And you buy yeah. pace because it's pace in the Premier League and pace in the championship that destroys you. And you buy what you couldn't buy before. With now Norwich, kind of do it brilliantly for the championship and then always struggle when they go up. But they're kind of the model for us in terms of the sort of signings you should be making. And frankly, you know, they may not be that happy about the fact that their recruitment's been a bit rubbish when they do go up and they've not competed as much as they'd like. But at least they don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And look where, look what, mm. what, look how long it's taken us to fix those mistakes. You know, here oh, we God, are in 2022, yeah. living with mistakes that we made 10 years ago. You know, it's taken this long to come back from it. So you're a long time fixing mistakes in football. The most powerful word in football is no. If we'd said no to signing Joey Barton, imagine the difference. You know, yeah, we just got money and yeah, we just got a thing. But what if we just said, Do you know what? No to Joey Barton. No to Sean Wright Phillips. Okay, we wouldn't have got the last minute goal at Chelsea. We already did in those four years, Sean Wright Phillips. And it didn't quite work out for him. And I think luck played a part there, but also other things. But they just hadn't made those signings. And Anton Ferdinand... That's not the era that totally hold the club, though. It's the, it's the following season when you stayed up and you're bringing it into Milan's goalkeeper, surely. I agree with that. But no, saying no from the start would have been better than saying yes later than just saying yes to everything from the start, is my point. And if they'd said no in the first window, we'd have done a better job quicker of, of establishing ourselves in the Premier League because it took until January for them to start to get Clint Hill back on loan and to start playing the other players again who got us promoted. And that got our team spirit going again. I think that's so, a fair point Paul, Paul said as well, Jim, is, is that to me, the damage was done by the not saying no and going with it and not having the experience, but also people like Mike Rigg who came in and just was just bull this and bull that and full of himself. I could do this, I could do that. And we didn't have an experienced board in Fernandez no. and um, Phil Beard to actually know what we were doing. So he kind of, he just did what he wanted and he had ways to win. I mean, what was QPR ever doing having two international goalkeepers just back for the World Cup in the Premier League? As a, it was, that was madness. And I yeah, think at it's the risk of being Grange Hill, just say no. You know, do we need to sign Julio Cesar? No. Do we need Jose Basingua? No. <laughs> We'd have been a lot better off if we hadn't signed a bunch of those players. Well, that is a lovely segue. Said that wrong, but my teeth are not in. So there you go. George, it's a transfer window. It's kind of near the end of it now. 
Hello, thank God, because Sky Sports doesn't have to do a flipping head in with these flipping transfer windows. Should we concentrate on the... This is going to go around the table, by the way. Should we concentrate on the... Keep the players we've got, adding more players, or do we even go and try and get someone like Adele back in and bring back the good old days as a deep player midfielder, which is a bit weird, but hey-ho. Uh, I think we should focus on the places where we need to improve currently. So I personally think we need a pacey striker because at the moment we have Austin, Dykes and Gray, both really good in terms of poaching and uh, winning stuff in the air, especially Dykes. But we just need that striker who's going to beat the defence, not necessarily got the best finishing skills, but could come on after like 20 minutes with 20 minutes to go and frighten their defence. I also think we need a experienced centre-back, someone like a Steve Cook, but he's gone, which I think was the right decision because if he wanted to go for wages, that he isn't the right player for us. And... Maybe an maybe another wing back just in case because we we seem like we're made of fragile uh, we're fragile at the wing backs with Wallace McCallum Odebajo people like that so we could do with maybe a Premier League wing back on loan but I think we should focus on keeping our players as well if anything one's going to go maybe like a Dicky or someone like that but once again we could rebuild from that next year and yeah. Fair enough. Paul? Yeah, I wouldn't sell anyone, particularly in, a, in this window, unless you got off of crazy money. I mean, I think if, if a Premier League club came in for a striker or a centre-back and it was a, a massive offer, then fair enough. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be looking to sell anyone who's, who's in the starting eleven or around the starting team. I mean, I, mean, I, I totally agree. Pace is, I think, the one thing this, this side could do with an injection of it. Somebody who could play as a striker or a winger would be a great addition but you know obviously these kind of players are, are not cheap in this kind of window my, my biggest concern is at the moment is his chair okay because I watched the Morocco game in the week and he looked looked like he was maybe nursing an injury so I'm more worried about can we keep him get him back to where he was when he comes back in February and because I think he'll be crucial for you know and so much good stuff that's happened in this team this season has come through him and I'm just just more concerned about getting him back and and, um, you know, a winter in W12 will no doubt fix whatever's hitting him over in, uh, in Africa at the moment. And you're not thinking of any players that you'd like to bring in top of the head? Anyone? Names? Uh, Can I nominate um, a summer signing? What? Can I nominate a signing for the summer, not for now? Or should we get to that? Kind of change the agenda, but okay. No, 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 you can go rogue, it's fine. Go go on, Jim. You start it now. Let's hear it. I'm go doing on. the finny roll. <laughs> yeah, if anyone can mess up this podcast, it's me, you gobshite. Carry on. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, assuming we want to sell people in the summer for as much money as we can, which I think we do, and I think that's probably the right time to sell Dickie because you know he's established himself, he's given himself a number of good seasons at this level. Then I, you know, I, normally I have a rule of never going back. But having seen him at the weekend again, it just reminded me that a great player for us would be Darnell Furlong. You know, assuming his wages aren't completely crazy, because he can play multiple positions and he brings pace to a back three that lacks it. So if we are selling Dicky and we can get Furlong in and West Brom falling apart, then that's a signing I'd make. And I, right now, like the others, I wouldn't be thinking about any temporary signings too much. I'd be looking for good permanent additions. And you guys are right. We've got two 34-year-old wingbacks for our first choices. You know, that is not the mark of an automatic promotion team, is it? 
there were times when Wallace up against West Brom's wing back, where if he'd been up against Furlong, it would have been the same story. He literally didn't even bother trying to take them on because he knew it wasn't going to be fruitful. So we, instead, we had a really clever tactic of chipping the ball to him and he'd head it back to Willock in space very quickly. And he, we did that a number of times, whether it was deliberate or not. But that's we're finding workarounds to accommodate for the lack of things. All the players we've signed today, Warburton's been bang on about this. He's, he's bang on, right about it. He says, you know, politely, they're all flawed one way or another. Every single player we've signed, you know, Dykes is either a bit young and raw and not proven at a decent level. Uh, Dickey was not proven at a decent level, a little bit slow in terms of acceleration, which is what makes me think, will he cut it in the Prem? Okay, there's slow players in the Prem who survive in good systems, but he needs to go to a Brighton or a West Ham, not to a basket case club where he might get hung out to dry. Because he needs to be part of a good defensive system. But and every every other player we thought Willock was a bit of a punt. You know, no one really knew what was going. To, the fact he's come on so much is a huge testament to the coaching that they're getting. But the raw materials that our coaches are working with is flawed in some way, shape, or form. And when we sell players the next time, the raw materials we get in are just going to be that much better. And this is how Brentford progressed. You know, it's how Will progressed. You know, signing Pontus Janssen for them was a lot of money, but actually, just in terms of what they'd worked with, with say like Meppen before, where he started from to where he finished. You know, they're just starting from a better base. So the next time we buy people, like the guys have said, pace, you know, we'll be able to afford someone with a bit of pace, whether that's at wing back, centre back or at forwards. That's the one thing our team lacks. And we're trying to get it from Albert Adoma, who's 34. Gray came in to do that role, George, that you talk about. He's just not, he's quick when he wants to be, but he's not really what that. We well, he, he just looks a bit too strong and a bit too top heavy for a striker. But where he used to be out and out quick, and now he's quite quick, but not got the sort of out and out gas where he can make repeated runs. So it has worked in some games, but yeah, we played him at the weekend because any team against the high press, we're now putting two up front. We've worked out how to play against that high press a lot better. Two up front and have Andre Gray there to stretch a defence so that they we get a bit more place to play in. And and the gaps when when you get a team that pushes up from the back and commits men forward and makes the game really small, a player like Gray is key because he can get in behind people and you can welly it long if you need to. But that is the kind of player we need. Personally, I wouldn't sign him, not for the way, certainly not for the wages he's on, but someone like him, you know, and look, maybe when we've got a bit of money behind us next time around, we can look at a sort of DK type player because he's a monster and he's quick as well. You know, but we need a kind of signing like that in a year or two to really go places, whereas we're not going to get that, I don't think, this window and probably not the next. George, you were thinking of some players. Um, you want to say someone? Yeah, if we're going for a pacey Premier League loan striker, I'd probably look into someone called Cameron Archer, Aston Villa striker. He's he's part of their. He's gone through their youth team. He's looked really solid. He started quite a few games for the first team and scored in quite in quite a few of them as well. So, and he's quite pacey. So, if we're looking for someone like that. I'd go for him. And in terms of fixing our defence a bit, in terms of making it a bit younger, uh, we could go for a Wolves duo, Ryan Giles, who looked the real deal at Cardiff at the start of the season. I think he looked really good and suit Warburton style. And that Dion Sanderson played against us for Birmingham, looked quite good. And I think he fit our mould as well because... Yeah, if, I, I just think he's Warburton sort of player, able to pass it round the back, and he's a bit of a bully to the opposition strikers as, as well, like a Jimmy Dunn. It'd be good to have two of them in our squads. 
And they're all good charities. I like uh, James as well about Darnell Furlong on and off the park uh, and he's QPO as well. So that's not a bad shirt. But we, all right, shall we address Adele? Paul, do we bring Adele back or just do we leave those memories just lost in that lovely, lovely cloud of, of love? I'm not sure, I'm not sure he'd want to come back, would he? I mean, I, I did see there was some sort of debate on on, on well, social the media. The service might be crap in, you know, in Portugal. We don't know, do we? Yeah, but I mean, I mean, to be fair, I mean, I've seen a few, the odd game he's played in the Champions League for Bavico. He's not the holding midfielder that, that, that a broadsheet newspaper piece tried to make out he was. He's just, he just does a lot more defensive work um, than, he, than he ever did for us. But he, but he plays in the midfield. He's not like a, he's not suddenly become an enforcer. I mean, he would, he would obviously work in our system. And uh, Charlie Austin has smashed the, uh, the uh, warning, never go back by coming back and being amazing. So, you know, on that sense, it's fine. I can't imagine, though, to be fair to Adele, it's it's probably even on his agenda. And, um, you know, would he play him and Steffi Hansen next to each other? Or are, are they like for like, you know, positions? So, I mean, maybe, you know, I, I don't think it's realistic, but if it, if, it, if it was even a sniff of it, I would probably say it'd be one for the summer, not for... Not for now, but um, you know, absolutely an amazing player who I'd, I'd love to see come back in some capacity and be clapped on the pitch and half time, whatever. Because I mean, I do, I do think the way it fizzled out with Adele and the sort of various loans and then you know, the way he left the club wasn't quite the way that befits that season and the, and the way he played for us. And you know, I, I love the guy. I would, would love to honour him in some way, but I presume re-signing for QPR is not the way that he possibly sees it's going to happen. Appreciate Jim. I'm massively conflicted on this. Heart Ooh. says, yes, absolutely. God, yes, please, please, please. Head says, no, probably not sensible. Um, so I don't, I, I really, I've been changing my mind as I prepared my answer. I've got to be honest, it's classic fence sitting. Um, <laughs> I, having advocated furlong coming back, I generally don't believe in going back because having lived through Jerry France's second time round. That I was think, horrendous. Well, no, I mean, it was, Started well, but didn't it started end well. well. We had that great season as well. After we, you know, we saved saved ourselves against Palace, and then we had that great season with Stuart Wardley. Um, but after that, it got really toxic. And the, the, the way I judge it is, are you a step up for that player? So you know, nor most of the time, we should never be signing players from Manchester United, like you know, Eastern Park or or, or club you know, Chelsea. You've got to be really careful who you sign from there. Um, and is it a step up for that player? And in Darnell's case. Actually, I'll argue against my, what I've just advocated. It depends how much of a basket case West Brom become in the next six months. So it might be a step up for him, but probably won't be for another year. Um, but Ray Wilkins, we were a step up for because he'd done really well in Scotland, but it was the Premier League and it was England and it was, you know, so it was a good signing. But the players for whom who've treated the club the worst, it hasn't been a step up for. You know, it was never a step up for Cesar. It wasn't for the Singwa. You know, it wasn't for Granero, it wasn't for Euston Park. You know, you can look at all the terrible signings and that is quite a common theme in it. Is it a step up? So applying that criteria to Adele, because I was trying desperately to give you a proper answer, is it a step up for him coming to QPR from Champions League work in Benfica? No. And we've seen before, there's a very big difference in Adele when he's up for it and when he's not. Um, and by the way, it was more than just once. It was a spectacular season, but... He, as much as anyone, kept us up in the Premier League when he started when he started getting played by Mark. Oh Hughes. god, yeah. You know, like so, he was un- unplayable. Right. And everyone said, Oh, he didn't do it in the Premier League, he was just great in the championship. Bollocks. He just, you know, he had that strop against Fulham. He was subbed a few times. But when he really turned it on that second half of this first season, 
He was brilliant. So I'd love him back, but probably not. Oh. We, George, what do you reckon, big man? Uh, I, I'm, I agree. I'd love him back. But personally, is he going to really fit the wage book bill mould? Is he going to really drop down to what I think is our maximum at the moment in 20 grand a week? Probably not. And as Jim said, playing for Champions League Benfica, is he really going to want to come back down to the championship? Probably not. It's probably about where his heart is, to be honest. I've never been a fan with players returning to their former club because it may ruin their reputation. But Charlie Austin's kind of blown out the water, to be fair. He hasn't really ruined his reputation. I think if he did come back, it'd be more of a Premier League move. So if we did go up, we may sign him then. So... I think us in the championship signing in isn't practical because I don't want to start going back to the stage where we're increasing the wages, going back to how it was when we had Harry Redknapp in charge, signing all these ridiculous players. But I personally don't remember him playing. I've seen clips. He looked absolutely incredible. So I'd love to see him see him play in the current QPR team. But I personally don't think it will happen. Yeah, see, I'd just bring him back because I loved him. And we never got a chance, like Paul said, to say goodbye to him. And I think that's something that QPR's done badly a few times, but like with McDonald's and people like that there, and definitely with Dale. So I'd love to bring him back and we can just say goodbye to him properly. And if he has three or four good games in a six-month contract, hell supreme. And if he turns into the Dale we know and love, because he's still reasonably young, he's not over the hill by any stretch of the imagination. So, I don't know. But he, the, them seasons that he had for us and the way he played is probably one of the greatest players I've seen, certainly since Wiggly in a QPR show, 100%. And um, I know my favourite player at the time was Ali Forlan, and still is. I know Adele was amazing. Forlan was the best midfielder I've seen in a QPR show in decades. Just, I love it. I remember watching him as someone was slagging him off and I'm going, do you actually know anything about football? He just popped down here for a hamburger. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's just ridiculous. I, I don't like being that arrogant because I know nothing more than anybody else, but I just thought, how can you not love Ali Fulon? He was just bloody perfect. So, do you know, it's, Paul, it's a position that people are really blind to. And it's like, it's my mm. favourite position, although uh, hat tip to Keir Frame, who's part of ASB, will stay on the left back. Um, but it's my, it's, that's my favourite position. I always, I was a massive fan of Gary Waddock because he played there and he played that role brilliantly. You mm. know, and, and people don't see the good work that a deep line midfielder does. People are really blind, actually, to field. I've been saying for a few months now, field's really key to getting us playing good football because we haven't really taken any teams apart yet. You know, and part of the key for that is someone like Field coming back and Johansson playing further forward. Um, but I think we're a little bit blind to his charms at times. But he had a really good game against West Brom and it did allow Steph Johansson to play that much further forward. Bring this back to Adele, though, you've got to ask yourselves, is it going to inspire the likes of Willock and Chair or is it going to work against them? And would it work against Johansson? Because Johansson, more than Austin, is the leader in our dressing room. Your Austin's hugely important, don't get me wrong. But Johansson is the captain and the leader of the and, and is huge. Those two are hugely important. Johansson slightly more. Um, and I know that the club were, without breaking any sources, the club were so keen on getting Johansson back for that fact as much as Austin, if not more. So if you brought Adele in, what does that do to Johansson, who's pivotal to the culture we've got at the minute was it due to chair and was it due to Willock who play in those positions that he would play in mm, that's a good point but reality says it's probably not going to happen is it I mean I know I'm talking about it I brought it up but the reality is 
Champions League. Even if he's not I'd love so. it though. Wouldn't you just love it? Just the sight of a bed in hoops would just be like, ah, <laughs> you know. I know. I mean, yeah. I mean, you couldn't even pick a brilliant moment. There was a pass to road leagues. There was the, oh. the game away to Cardiff. There was the Stoke City game. There was a game against the Arsenal Spurs. Yada, yada, yada. Even when he didn't score. Barnsley away. Barnsley away was my favourite because he just oh, won yes. the game with one bit of skill after about 20 minutes and did nothing. And Helgerson was an absolute hero that night. And our defence were brilliant. Helgerson was brilliant. Adele did one thing and then decided he didn't fancy it, but he won us the game. I'd I'd go Cardiff at home when we won and he just gave uh, Tom Heaton the eyes and then he scored. Yeah. It's just such a bit. And Heaton in the press the next day was like, oh, it bobbled. It was like, no, it didn't, mate. It did not bobble. (laughs) (laughs) That was quality and he did you. <laughs> but I think I think that's what we need as well. Keep your love is that kind of a Dell type player. That, that, that I know at the moment we've got two of them. We've got yeah, Willock exactly. and Chair. Yeah, you know, and and, and that's where the worry. Was. I was going to go back to your point, Jim. He says in a very strange voice. Um, of, <laughs> you don't want to hamper them either. So that's a, that is a, an amazingly good point because with Chair, he you can tell when he's on the podcast, he looks up to Dell a lot and talks to Dell about his time in QPR. And so on. And Willock is just getting better and better and better. I mean, Adele had a hand in Willock coming, don't forget. So it might inspire them. I could be, uh, you know, well, it's, yeah. it's only a question I've heard. You don't, Chair loves him. Willock clearly listened to him. It's Johansson, maybe, who'd suffer. I'll tell you what, this is a good debate. Well, I wasn't expected. I thought one word answers yes, no, God, just love the memories. <laughs> And it's like, I love, yeah, I love really, this. This has been the embarrassment of riches that don't exist debate tonight. Because we're, we're worried yeah. about going up. We might not get, you know, let's, yeah. let's not in the back. We're worried yeah. whether one of the best midfielders we've ever <laughs> might come back. Or not. Yeah. It's like, come on, guys. Yeah. yeah. In two weeks, with a massive injury backlog, having yeah. lost all the remaining games between now and two weeks' time, so we sat here going, what the hell were we talking about? I think I think this, this debate and both debates are so if I may say, typically QPR. Oh, God, I. But then you wouldn't have it any other way. Look, I mean, I watched Willock against West Brom on Saturday. I don't know what you thought, George and, and, and Paul and, and Jim, but I just think, God, how did, how, how did clubs miss him? How did Arsenal not even keep him? I mean, they sold his brother for a lot of money, but gee, he's twice the player his brother is, and he's only going to get better. And this is a player that our manager says he needs to believe in himself more. Holy shit. I think it's what you think. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Surely that has to be down to we have to ha- take some of the credit ourselves down to our coaching. People mm. like the Neil Banfield, John Eustace. Without them, Willett may have just sat on, like not even on the bench at Benfica, ended up at a poor League One, League Two side in the end. But if you think about it, when he first came, we he didn't look anything like he was now. I personally thought he wasn't as good as chair, but now I think he's above him and well well worth uh, playing in the Premier League. I think he's better than his brother, as Paul said, and he could definitely do it. I, I think, they, I mean, to, to keep going back to the, the greatest podcast I've ever been on, obviously with Jimmy Dunn when we had him for the whole hour. I think one of the things we discussed in that, though, was this idea of the pressure that young players are under when they get signed. And I think mm. if you look at Willock's background coming through the Arsenal Academy, going to Benfica without having really having played for Arsenal. You just think the pressure and you know then the being bombed out. And I think the coaching, as you say, is exactly where it's come from. That that there is this space now in the modern game where there are people who are losing their ways very early on, who are obviously talented players, and have a club that is prepared and a coaching staff who have not only prepared to do it but have the skills to do it. Because I think it's you know, re-motivating people and getting people to listen is a really important 
skill in any activity, let alone football, and say to players like Willock, you know, come to us, we will make you a better footballer. We will unlock what you have. And you had the potential that you clearly showed when Arsenal signed you as a kid. I think to be able to do that as a club, there is there is rich pickings for us to be able to do that. But I also think it's not an easy thing to do. It's not like you, you can just go in and go, we'll pick up a couple of bombed out Premier League uh, youngsters and then we'll, we'll turn them around. And so I think I think we should take massive, massive credit for, for, for identifying players like Willock and bringing them through. But also I think that is possibly a product of the modern game, this pressure that you're putting so many youngsters under that players like him are being left in this limbo so early in their careers. Well, fair point, Jim. I think it's a brilliant point. I think the fact we've also done it now with two young black players, and I use those words deliberately, is really telling and really good for our recruitment. But you rewind a few years and there's a lot of chat about Les and there's a lot of chat about, you know, the coaches that are around the club. Um, and here we are a few years later with Ezzy having had his career turned around at Rangers, with Chris Willock having had his career turned around at Rangers. And then, where are those people now? You're talking about the um, the, the post about like jobs for the boys type thing, and like all this yeah. market, which was a lot of rubbish to be fair. Yeah, but, I hear yeah. a lot of that now, do we? It was rubbish then, and it's rubbish now. But you know, there's the evidence, and credit to the club for making those calls at the time. There's some very good people behind the scenes at Rangers, and I, I don't say that with any kind of, you know, ex-employee loyalty. I were last worked there 20 years ago. You know, I left in 2003. Um, I just rate the people there, you know, and they're rated with by people that I rate, and it's that's you know that's that I've met in the game as well, and that's you know we're in a nice place. Um, and I think also with Chris Willock, you know, Charlie Austin said it that the fact his brother went to big money was quite a good maturing moment for him. To credit to the player as well, because he's been prompted by an external event there, and he's turned it around himself. So we've created the right environment, but it's also up to the player to do it, and he's done it brilliantly. So. Yeah, again, it's it's just hugely enjoyable. We went from years where Matthew Connolly left the same player he arrived. You know, Casper Gortz was great, but didn't develop at all. We just, the only way players developed was they had more minutes under their belt. You, you didn't see any evolution in players before at Rangers for a load of years. And Holloway started it to be fair to him, and he was blooding youngsters and play. And we lost time with McLaren because, you know, say Samuel, I don't think would have left if if McLaren, we hadn't had that year of McLaren, you know, mm. chucking them, hit them out on loan. Mm. Same with Manning, you know, we, we that showed the, the value of keeping Warburton and not chopping and changing because there's a, there's a whole bunch of players who should be playing first team football for us still who kind of felt like, do you know what, there's no loyalty in the game. I didn't get played by that manager. I got played by this manager. But so what, you as a club have shown you're not loyal to me. I'm going to go where I get the best wage. So like Manning would be a perfect left wing back for us right now, wouldn't he? You know, he'd fit into that system brilliantly. I wouldn't sign him right now because he's gone for money and he said bye to Rangers and we're not a step up for him currently. So I wouldn't sign him back, um, whereas I would sign Furlong back when the timing's right. Um, but, you know, it, that's that's the bit that you should look at it and you say, well, we actually do have quite a lot of good stuff going on um, and players are improving at the club. So, you know, I'd, I'd love to see what they can do with slightly better raw materials, like I said earlier, because... You know, we should be now really attractive to the young players coming out of other clubs who've had an academy education, but perhaps for whatever reason, it's not all clicked. And there's always players like that. There's always been late developers in football. You know, so we're more attractive then, but also a bit more money. Yeah. 
and we got we got a bit more money as well to 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 spend on people. So my only my only worry is that actually it might you know the, the better we get, the less likely we're going to be to take a chance on certain people. Would we give Easy as much game time now or in next year if he came through now? We probably wouldn't because our team's better. So that's an interesting one for us to balance going forward. And then can I go back that I meant to say at the time, the previous question about signings, the one that really is interesting that we should discuss is Barbe. Oh, God, yeah. I was just going to come on to that. You read me mind. <laughs> well, just, I mean, I think if, if you the don't French mind me just off. Yeah, it's... I mean, what a game. And I, it was, I had one of those moments like Paul where I started arguing with, no, it was you, Finney, sorry. Uh, I started arguing with a bloke along the row in LL with me who started, you know, 10 minutes in going, oh, I don't think Barbe's any good. And I was like, what? You know, apart from, apart from the fact that, you know, he, he plays literally every minute of every game for us. That is huge value for money. It's kind of Steve Palmer levels of value for money. So even if he was on like twice the wages of Geordie Device, the fact is he's getting twice the appearance in that. So he's the same value for money. You know, so A, there's that fact. B, there's the fact he's got loads better. Again, credit to Warburton and the coaching staff because he's not making the mistakes that we made uh, and he made, you know, early last season. We, I've mm. read this week where the, we've conceded the least goals from set pieces when it yeah. was pretty much, you know, we were the worst last year. I mean, again... But it might be a bit of luck this time now, but it's also a huge improvement. So you can say, well, you can see evidence of the coaching and the, and the improvement that's happening. I, Barbe's a really interesting one. I don't think the issue is the club waiting to see if we go up or not. I think the issue is that the club, and we talked two years ago on here about waiting for the, the chickens to come home to roost at other clubs. And boy, is that happening at places like Derby now. It's happening at Cardiff. It should happen at Forest at some point, although shows no signs of it right now. But we're waiting to see what happens with the wage bill elsewhere and the championship. We've already seen the championship, the intra-championship club. So championship clubs signing championship players, that market has collapsed. It's gone. That's why Cardiff were blaming it now. Debating that, you know, should Cardiff blame the championship transfer market collapsing on their financial woes? No, that's their own fault. But it, the fact is they are right about it. There are very much fewer transfers going on at championship level. So it follows logically that wages are going to come down. Now, we signed Barbe as a free agent, free agent three years ago. We've had great value for money out of him, don't get me wrong. But is he signing him now? Would he be worth the 11, 12, 13 grand a week, whatever it is he's on now? Is he worth that money again? Now, he's improved, oh. but if the market crashes for wages, is he worth it? Well, after Saturday, I'd say yes. And after this season, I'd say, I think this has been his, I think towards the end of last season, he came into his own. And um, once he stopped taking free kicks, he became a much better player, in my opinion. Um, but I actually think he, I mean, you said earlier on how players improved. He's a prime example of a player not only improving, but bad into the whole ethos of the team. I mean, that challenge in Saturday, how it wasn't a red card, only God knows, because I flip him well done. It was a horrendous challenge. It should have been a red card straight away, no matter how long the fellow was on the pitch for. And he got up. And he used that anger to try and kill the referee and get his own back on him, which is fine. But also, the um, he, you know, he, he see that picture of him at the end with the blood pouring out of his head and the fist salute and everything. It's just amazing. And he, he obviously gets it. I would sign him tomorrow. But like you say, you would have to be careful on what wages you sign him on because it could go horribly per ship. But I would imagine a few clubs would look at him. Again, he's not that old. Paul? 
I mean, I guess the, the one thing you, you've always got to give them the advantage is you, you know what you're going to get. There's no like readjustment. There's no due diligence on is he the right kind of character who's going to upset the squad. You know, they, all those things that, that seem to be so important then when you sign a player. So that will be in his favour. I mean, the only thing I wonder is, I mean, is he sort of advertises himself on his social media? He has a young family. Is he looking to maybe not to move on from London? I mean, he's been in London for a long time, obviously Brentford before us. So I, I don't know. It might not be as simple as just the case of we've made an offer and he's waiting for for other offers to come in from other clubs. It could be that you know he wants to live somewhere else in the world, you know, which is entirely understandable at the stage in his life he's at as well. So I think we we should we should rush to a judgment on why he's not signed yet or has signed or whatever. Just hope he does, George. Uh, I hope he signs, to be totally honest. I agree with what Paul just said about his family. He's got a young family. He may want to raise him back in France, where he was originally born. So you never know. But I think at the end of the day, he'll sign on because, as uh, as Finney said, that picture the other day of blood going down his face, that was the definition of playing for the badge. And if he really cared that much about the club not trying to guilt trip him here he'd sign on carry on <laughs> he'd sign on for at least a year or uh, for at least another year to see how it goes because to be honest with you at the start of the season I was getting a bit worried about Johan I thought he weren't he was having one of his bad patches again but I think recently he's got to a point where he's definitely suiting our style again and he's definitely fit in the mould and he's back playing how he should be doing in good form. It's Mr. Consistent as well, isn't he? So that leads me on to, before we talk about the West Brom game and then we'll go into Saturday's game, I'm going to do anything other than your end of ours now. Because we'll, do it, we'll do the end of ours now. So your ours end, basically, for those who have just joined us and um, haven't been in this podcast before we do it at ours end, which I couldn't remember what it was called, and I was waffling until it came back into my head. <laughs> Nobody noticed. Done away with that. Well done, me. George? Uh, I just want to say well done to Albert Adoma for breaking the championship all-time record for the amount of games played in the league. He's now played 456 games, and I personally don't think that's been given enough recognition by the league uh, because he's been a legend for the championship, let's be honest, and for us. He's, a, he's another player playing for the badge and I think he deserves every bit of credit he's getting at the moment. Oh, well said, George. Still can't believe you're 14, more like 44, <laughs> but carry on. Um, Jim, have you got an, any sort of end of ours thing going on? Nothing. Because he was shaking, I was no. worried. Because he didn't look like he was anything. I thought, oh, his ours end's going to be like mine. Short and sweet. And... No, no, nothing. I'm good, Zilch? thanks. Nothing? No? Okay. Paul? Um, I think I'd say is I went. To, I live in Hamwell, so I I traipsed up last night in the cold to watch uh, the QPR women's team play at Hamwell Town, which is their their home ground this season. I just would uh, urge anyone if you're free and they're at home. I think they've only mainly played Sundays, but it's definitely uh, worth going down. Good, good, a good, well cultured football team coming together there. Um, Katie Ackerman scored an absolute rocket to win the game for Rangers two one against that Actodians in what I presume is a derby because that Acton QPR, even though. They were further out in England, but um, no, it's great. And there's some great little great players on the team, great atmosphere. And uh, yeah, I definitely recommend any fans if that if you if you fancy a, an extra game of a weekend or a weekend when we're away, then let's check out to see if they're playing. Uh-huh. 
Was it bitterly cold, Paul? It was I, I... so cold. It was amazingly cold. I, I I threw the ball back at one point. I blocked it, and my hand my hand stung so much. So I had complete admiration for any of the players who were getting blasted with it all, all the way through that game. It was freezing. And of course, uh, yeah, I've I've got declared interest here. I know the manager, and he's he's a mate of mine, and he's a good lad. It's Koshi, and I know that he loves his club, as Jim knows, as as any of us do. So. Another person who does it for the badge rather than the money, that's for flipping sure. Um, my RZ is, is actually relatively... Um, well, it, we talk about Sky a lot, don't we? And we talk about this thing, but this thing with the Barsley match, I mean, come on. I mean, people have brought tickets, then they changed it, so they brought the tickets again, and now they've changed it again. It's an absolute piss take. And it's it's. I feel so sad for people who are changing train tickets left, right and centre. They must be out of flipping fortune. And it's no way to treat fans. And I, I don't know why this has happened. Any ideas? Or is it just unlucky? Or are the Football League and Sky just absolute cretins? I've got the Steve. feeling that they're going to try put the Sheffield United game on telly. That's what my thought is. So they're trying to get back in favour with us a bit by trying to move us off Sky. But to be totally honest, you just made it more of a shambles. I don't think mm. they've done it as a favour. I mean, I think it's that classic thing where Sky spent most of lockdown going, oh, it's better with fans. At the moment, fans came back, went, oh, God, they're in again. You know, I think, you know, I, I, re- I really think the amount of fixtures we've had this season has been, been really silly. And, yeah, you can't announce a game is on at eight o'clock in Barnsley because that's book a hotel level of of, of travelling, potentially, if you're using public transport. And then go, actually, it's three o'clock again and it's not on telly. I mean... You've, you've not even annoyed all the fans who were going to go. You've annoyed all the fans who weren't going to go who wanted to watch you on telly. It's ridiculous. I agree. Jim, you, you, you've worked in... I keep mentioning this. Like I'm, I'm having you as me like club homeboy here, but what, what do you reckon? I mean, that, that must be some conversation. Yes, it is. It's like a frigging pantomime. The, everyone at the club will be as pissed off as we are because mm. the club, get you get no say. You just get it handed to you and then you've got to own it with your own fans. So it's like... Here's a steamy pile of turd. Go and spin that. And you're like, hmm. here's a steamy pile of turd, fan. Sorry, you know it's just rubbish. It's absolutely rubbish. And you even, I think Ruben, when he was on the podcast, was saying, you know, you get some money for it, but home games. But I, I wasn't able to take my son to a game. I, Sunday game didn't work, but you know, we didn't have that Saturday three o'clock kickoff from for over a hundred games. So early October, the first weekend in October, through to last Saturday. So that was mm. that's when I got to take my son. You know, it's a joke. And so to do that to away fans with Barnsley is just, my only thought is that somehow that is probably tied up with the machinations in the Premier League and cancelled games and what games they're going to do and what have you. And Yeah, they use the Football League as a spoiler against BT stuff. Even then, Saturday night was a weird choice. So I, it's probably something's changed up here. And, you know, the, the drop-down effect is that our game gets moved back. But they, there's no transparency on it. They don't stick to their own deadlines. And at some point, someone's got to turn around and say, do you know what, this is not. And either take less money and make them choose it further in advance or do something. Because if you carry on... Really, and to be fair, I think the fact... I don't think it's a coincidence that we complained about it live on a Sky game and then we weren't picked for January. Naughty step. Well, no, we'll take that. They, they heard. Mm. They, Sky aren't stupid. They heard us say, that's enough. And then they've carried on doing this, so it shows they don't care that much. But equally, if we don't want it to carry on happening, then say so. 
No, I think it's good. I mean, all this talk of the integrity of the competition we go at the moment, how we were in the situation when we were playing in, in a cup game on a Tuesday night against opposition on a Friday night who didn't have a game. I mean, that just yeah. is not, hang on, how is that even fair? I mean, I mean, I know... It wasn't, and, and actually, that's a really sound point because going forward, we're, we're sat as ever looking good when we're playing Saturday to Saturday, but very soon, we're going to have a lot of games. And Lee Wallace doesn't look as good on a Tuesday night as he does on a Saturday. <laughs> and same for Albert. You know, and that's where staying injury free is really key because we've now got quite a decent number of people in the middle of the park. But, you know, and we need Odebarjo and, and McCullum back up and running and we need device back. And then we, we've got half a chance, but we're never a strong midweek when we've had little preparation time. And as much as anything, the older players in our team don't get the recovery time because, you know, as we all know, and George does, as you get older, it's not, <laughs> it's not the nights out and the football that kills you in the exercise. It's the recovery from it all. And the, I'm sure the ice baths are being implied and stayed in for quite a while. That's true. Yeah. Now, we're going to come on to the... We're going to cover West Brom and we're going to go forward to Coventry because why not? Let's go rogue. <laughs> Jim started it, so I'm carrying on with it. Um, I'll start this one because I'm... Well, I'm hosting, so therefore I'm entitled to some perks. After the game, I was speaking to these West Brom fans on the, on the train, as you do. And I was being very nice, even though they're being quite rude. And the arrogance was quite weird because they said, well, I only know three of your players. And I'm like, well, that's weird because three or four played for you, so you should be more than that. And also, Barbara's been playing in the Championship for years, blah, blah, blah. And it was just so kind of like, listen, you're a small club. I've never heard of your players. How did you beat us? And you think, we beat you because we're better than you today. But not only that, we're actually above the league. So this isn't just a one-off game. This is... And I thought that was quite rude and just because I actually thought at stages of Saturday, we not only matched West Brom, we played them off the park, but we, we stuck with it and they were quite... West Brom were a good side. I know they're having a hard hardish time, but they're a good side. And I think Saturday, for me, could be a potential turning point as was when we went to Derby a few years ago, we went up. There's certain games you can see changing because I was taking a draw, banged it in. You won it. I don't care if it was offside. Saw them service bloke and train right. Um, and um, I'm thinking, yeah, I'll take that. And I'll take the game on Saturday. Kane and... Um, oh, God, what's his name? Flipping the fullback. Well, Bidwell. Do you know, since I've had COVID, my mem- everyone's going to be saying he's an idiot. I was an idiot before COVID, but I'm a bigger idiot now. I kind of think... I'll be- I'd love to see um, Kane get absolutely muddled. It's a shame Kakai's not here to do it. But hey-ho. But it'd be great to see um, us get the point of company. 4,000 fans. What can possibly go wrong? <laughs> Can we just have go back to the desert 200 people and bury us off and God, uh, 4,000, that's mad. Paul? Yeah, I thought Warburton got his tactics absolutely spot on against West Brom. I think that was a really key part of that pitch. He's obviously had problems when that manager was at Barnsley and then at the, at the game earlier in the season. Although that was one of the games where they didn't have a cup game because they put their kids out against Arsenal and they beat us with last-minute goals and we played on the Tuesday. But um, I saw a great... See, I thought he got it wrong. He really, he really sort of marched their high press. I think that by, by the end of the game, they were playing deeper than we were. And, you know, that's where Austin was able to steal in and, and we were able to just put him under pressure and score. Reminded me of the Leicester. Do you remember when Ishmael Miller scored that goal? Yeah. It was like, we're all right. We're drawing. A draw was a great result. Hang on a sec. You know, so, uh, you know, great, a great uh, evening out and a great uh, Saturday afternoon for a change, which obviously was 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 good. Yeah, but so we've got our taxes right. I'm glad we didn't play them when uh, DK was sort of entirely up and running. He looked... Uh, despite the fact he probably shouldn't have been on the pitch after 30 seconds, he did look a, a very good footballer. And I think he'll possibly set them right uh, for the, uh, the long term of this season. As for Coventry, um, 
they're a funny team because they're sort of up and down, but when they're up, they're really good. I thought they it was the classic game of two halves at Loftus Road. I thought they really could have won the first half and have been out of sight and we'd have been finished. And obviously we we beat them and turned it around in the second half. So I mean it's gonna be uh a hard one to call and, and the and obviously the volume of the away fans. I know people who've last minute and they gone, Do you fancy it? Do you fancy it? You know, so like, oh god, that's always a bad sign. So I just hope I'm I'll, I'll predict uh you know a goalless draw and hopefully uh I won't jinx it here. Well, you never know, Jim. Yeah, it's um, yeah, large away following. It's got disaster written all over it, hasn't it? <laughs> but, um, that's that was all right. Yeah, I missed that. I was on cricket to a bad timing. Uh, you on Saturday? No. Excellent. <laughs> <Hurry> on. <laughs> um, it. Uh, I think there's a few interesting points that Paul made. Is like. Actually, you know, we did... So against West Brom, that slightly painful first half was a bit necessary because although they've got that system, um, they're a bit older than Barnsley were and they don't have five subs anymore. So as Clive pointed out on Loughborough Words, when Barnsley last season could just bring on an entirely fresh front three and harry the hell out of us, and he can't do that anymore. Plus, he's got slightly older, less motivated pros like Matthew Phillips who are buying into it but won't buy into it as far. So, you know, having that awkward... And we still strung together some great passing moves and got some good shots off first half, like your hands. We just didn't do it enough, and we did show them too much respect, like, like Warburton said. But it is fine margins against the better teams. So Coventry are a really good team. So Kevin Gallon was saying on, on West London Sport, you know, nil-nil sometimes to back up a good win is fine. You know, so I would take a draw all day, particularly with a large away following. But what a statement win it would be, again, to back up West Brom with a large away following and win that game. Um, would be huge. So, but I, Coventry are a very good team in good form, and there's a lot of like, you know, we we've been in a decent run of it ourselves, but we haven't had a huge amount of misfortune recently, and it doesn't take much to go wrong for us to not win a game. So, yeah, take a draw, George. I think at the West Brom game, we weren't given enough credit by any of the journalists reporting after the game. You know, all you could see was West Brom not taking chances. I don't think we gave them the chances that they usually have in the games. I thought our defence was solid. They didn't have as many shots as they, I thought they were going to be at the start of the game. And I think the Charlie Austin goal was written. We all have to admit that. he would, well, As soon as he came on, I, I turned around and I knew to my dad and I said, I know he's going to score. And I said it before the game. And I think that was just uh, perfect, to be fair. It was perfect timing. And as Finney said, I don't care if it was offside. We kind of deserve it with our bad luck with refereeing and stuff. Uh, going on to the Coventry game, they are a funny side, let's be honest. At the start of the season, they looked one of the best teams in the league. They absolutely outplayed us at home. It, it, so we were quite lucky to be able to win that game in the end. I'm a bit worried about the fact that they've just signed Bidwell and, so, and I'm expecting him to start. And I've never I've never liked former QPR players playing against us on their debut for their other team. I never liked him playing for us half the time. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, and I also don't like the big backing as, for example, Peterborough. We bought 4,000 to that game. Yeah. Absolutely uh, 
made a move, not made a move, what am I saying? Uh, we fluffed it up at the end, losing 2-1. But I'm com- I take a draw again, but I'm confident that we can get the win in the end. I'm always positive, so why not keep it going? Exactly. I mean, I've got quick score prediction around the table before we go. I'm saying 2-1 Rangers, and I hope one of them's a Todd Cade home goal. No one else. Goalless. Hey? Goalless. No one else. Okay. They scored four at the weekend. We're, you know, we're the sort of team that keeps scoring. It has the classic sort of commentator's cursory all over it. Okay. I expect that from Jim, not you, but carry on, Jim. I was going to say that. I'll have to say 1-1 one, one then <laughs> and say we're going to score. <laughs> but um, it's all about how what it does for Austin in the long run and what it does for Willock, who was man-marked closely in the West Brom game and still won us the game with Austin. So does he take the belief from that that Warburton said he needs to take? You know, can he go on, carry on improving and go on up a level? And also, does it get Charlie out of his run? If it does for both of those, then great. We're in a good place longer term. But I, I'm pessimistic about whether we'll get three points. So 1-1. One, one. OK, George, result? Uh, my heart's saying 2-1, but I think my head's saying that we're going to draw 2 <laughs> I just don't think we'll have it on the day with the peak support, but I'm still confident that we can at least grab a point. Well, there you go. Well, listen, I think this has been a decent podcast, even though I've been hosting it terribly. You lot have saved me ours, and I appreciate it. George Sharp, where can people see you on your vlog? Is it on the official website, I believe? Uh, yeah, it's posted on the official website uh, every to- every home game, and it's also on the QPR Twitter, so... Go check them out. I do have good fun doing them and I, f- and I think they're pretty good, to be honest. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you've been excellent this podcast and age and no age, a lot of sense broken in and I'm, I'm not, I suppose I am patronising, but I don't mean to, but that was a pretty flipping full podcast debut. Unlike Paul, that was not one of your best ones, mate. You know, it's um, <laughs> it's only for that nil-nil, do you know what I mean? I'm going down, I'm driving all that way and it's for a draw, I'm going to blame you. But um, Paul... You know, you the good think- thing is like a Coventry fan promised me a ticket to the game in, the, in their salubrious hospitality area and that they forgot and I haven't got a ticket for the game now. So that is a good sign for, for Rangers, the fact that I will miss this game. Oh, right, OK. But if you got a ticket, would you go? Uh, well, I, I haven't got one. So so the fact I'm going to miss out, I think, is good for the... OK, you and, you and, you and Jim can keep each other company. That's yeah. handy. <laughs> and Jim, as always... Oh, by the way, Paul, what are you doing these days? Is, do you want to give a shout-out to anything you're doing? Anything can follow you? Give you a job, give you a push, give you a lift to Coventry. What? Anything? Yeah, any of that. Or, or, or buy, buy me a pint in LZ, right? in the stand bowl stand, please. Yeah, you'd be waiting a long time for that. I've seen them queues. Flipping heck. I thought they were bad in South Africa Rose. Holy shit. I haven't called the game as well. <laughs> okay. Jim, as always, you've got to come on more often, mate. We, we get a lot of sense out of you, which totally lets down the whole idea of this podcast. And um, thank you for your insight. And um, hopefully, we're all wrong about the bigger way supporting Saturday. Go and enjoy yourself. And just enjoy yourself, back the team, and just enjoy yourself. Let's have a rerun of Peterborough where it was absolute carnage in our way, and it wasn't it wasn't a great day. So everyone enjoy themselves, come back with three points, stay safe, enjoy the game. And I'll see you down there. You guys, thank you so much for, for this podcast. It was amazing. Thank you. This has been up on all ours. Come back again next week where you can hear us more again, but somebody decent hosted it. Thanks a million. Cheerio. <laughs> <laughs>